Uh, so if you've got a Bible to hand, if you've got it on your phone or a device, if you can grab it and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Uh, reading from verse 1 through to 17. We're in a series of John at the moment looking at chapters 13 to 17. And that's what we're doing this term. So John chapter 15. Let me read. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, pray you would speak to us now by your word, by your spirit, Father. Would we see the Lord Jesus, the true vine? Would we hear him, hear his words so that we may go on to bear fruit for his glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think our culture is massive on productivity and effectiveness. It makes a huge deal about achievement and getting things, things done. And in many ways, that's, that is a good thing, to be effective, to be able to do something with your life. But what does it look like for Christians to be productive for God? Particularly as Christians in our culture today in the West, where the soil seems so hard and rocky, where it seems so hard to bear fruit. How are we supposed to be fruitful? How do we make the most of our lives today for God. As I was reading this passage this afternoon, you probably heard that constant echo of bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. The Bible uses fruit as the word for productivity, if you like. And what we're hearing is that bearing fruit matters to God. See, God doesn't call us as Christians to be passive passengers, sitting in comfort until the Lord returns. But he calls us to be fruitful followers, to be productive for him, but remember where we are in John. 
Jesus has been telling his disciples that he's going to go and leave them. He's preparing to go to the cross, to die, then to rise again, and then go to return to be with his Father. So here's the problem. Jesus isn't going to be with us anymore in person. In his final chat with his disciples, he's told them in John chapter 14, 12, that, he's going to, that they will go on to do even greater things than he ever did because he is leaving them. And you can imagine the disciples sitting there thinking, how is this going to be possible if he leaves us? Everything that has happened so far has happened because Jesus has been with us. But now he's leaving. And us today as Christians, we live in the age between Jesus rising again and waiting for his return, where Jesus is no longer physically present with us. And we might sit here thinking the same thing. If only Jesus were here. Trust me, I reckon if Jesus were standing here right now, this place would be packed. And you start thinking, we could be so much more fruitful, surely. But what Jesus tells them, how he comforts us today, is that don't let your hearts be troubled. You're going to do greater things because I'm leaving. And in this passage, he shows us how we are going to be fruitful after he's gone. And we're just going to look at three things this afternoon in this passage. Three things about how to be fruitful. Here's the first. To be fruitful, be an abider. To be fruitful, be an abider. Now, you're probably thinking, where's that word abider come from? Now, in this passage, it uses remain a lot. But to be fruitful, be a remainer, I thought that was a little bit too close to the bone. (laughs) So... I went with the ESV abider. This is not a political sermon at all. It's nothing to do with that. Be an abider. Look at how this passage starts. Jesus starts here with this relationship between God the Father and the Son in view. Jesus is the vine, and God the Father is the gardener or the vine dresser. Now, that might seem like a random image to you. Maybe Jesus was looking out and he saw this nice little vine poking its head and going, oh, that'd be a nice analogy. Let's go with that. But actually, if you look out through Scripture, this image of a vine, this motif, is strong. It's all over the Old Testament. It was an image used for the people of God. God's desire was to see this vineyard bearing much fruit, bringing blessing to the world. The sad thing is, throughout the Old Testament, this same vineyard is described as being utterly fruitless and being rotten. Wild fruit that God has to destroy or is plundered by neighboring nations. We see this throughout Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Psalm 80. You see it all over the place. God has always been the gardener. Jesus isn't stating anything new here, but here's the change. Here's the difference. Where the people of God under the old covenant had failed time and time again as the vineyard, Jesus comes now. I am the true vine. Here's the real deal. Jesus is ushering in a new era where the vineyard is no longer the people of God, but instead it starts with himself, God the Son. And it's through him that a new people would be gathered in a new age with a new vine at the center of it all. But not only is he true, but he is the vine. See, Jesus doesn't come as a little cactus who's resilient and prickly and just sits there in the desert. He's a vine that is full of life that will grow and expand and bear fruit and bring blessing. Jesus is the great I am who comes as the true vine. And then he brings in this picture of his father as the gardener. Now, if you do any sort of gardening, if you've ever done any sort of gardening, I can tell you, this is not one of my gifts. I've actually been told to stay away. I've, I've been known to neglect plants. It's really bad. I need to work on this. But look, a good gardener, 
What do, they, what do they do? They love to see their plants flourish. So if they have a vine in their garden, what is the gardener going to do? He's going to do, he or she will do their best to look after the vine, to prune it, to nurture it so that it grows. And the goal is to make that vine look glorious. They want this vine to expand and flourish so it brings glory to the vine and to the vine dresser, to the gardener. And we've seen this throughout John's gospel. God the Father glorifies the Son in making sure the true vine flourishes. And God the Son glorifies the Father as this vine expands and bears fruit through the work of the gardener. See, Jesus alludes to this in, point, in, in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. So fruit matters to God because it displays the glory of God at work in Jesus. And for this to happen, the father's role as a gardener is specific. Do you see that in verse 2? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so so that it will be even more fruitful. See, God the Father looks at each branch to see if it bears fruit. And he knows which branches to cut off if they don't bear fruit and which ones he needs to cut back so that it will flourish. And you can imagine the disciples listening to this image and the question starts to drop. Am I a branch that's going to be cut off or pruned? In other words, they're asking, am I bearing fruit? Maybe that's a question that's starting to run through your mind as you hear this. Well, here's how to know if you're a branch that bears fruit. Jesus explains it very clearly in verse 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He makes it pretty clear. You can only bear fruit if you remain in me, if you abide in me. If there's anything you're going to take away from this sermon today, it's this. This is the key to this entire passage. To be fruitful, be an abider. Be an abider. Stay connected to Jesus and you will bear fruit. And if you bear fruit, my Father will prune you so that you go on to bear even more fruit. So you see, the question now changes from am I a fruitful branch to am I an abider? The disciples are asking this question. Jesus preempts this. He says this in verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, Jesus has said something like this before. The word clean here is used in John's gospel twice, in two places, here in the washing of the feet and back in John 13 when he's, uh, sorry, here in this passage and back in John 13 when he's washing the feet of the disciples. He told them back then as well, look, you're clean. Why? Because of the word. The very word, the living word that is Jesus, the word that was there at the beginning that has been spoken to them. Jesus' word has been effective in planting the seed of faith in their hearts and growing it out from this true vine. The word lives in them now in their trust of Jesus as they sit at his feet, learning, listening, loving to know more of him. And the word will come into full effect as he goes to die on a cross for them so that they will be clean once and for all. So Jesus wants to reassure his disciples who sit there wondering, am I bearing fruit? Am I abiding in Jesus? To tell them, look, you're clean because of the, of the work of God's word, because of the work of Jesus in your lives. Abide in Jesus, and the fruit will come to show Jesus' word at work in you. 
Now, let me, let me illustrate this. In this scene, who is no longer present? Judas. Uh, Judas Iscariot, not Judas, not Judas Iscariot, who we saw last week. Judas Iscariot is no longer present in this scene. Back in John 13, after the washing of the feet, Judas has gone out into the night. He has left. Now, if we look to Judas's life, it looked like he was a branch attached to Jesus. But when we look at his fruit, we realize that he was no branch whatsoever. It was rotten to the core. We saw glimpses of that in the response he had to you know, the woman who was anointing Jesus' feet with, with this perfume. All he cared about was how much it cost. What a waste of money. We see that in his ultimate betrayal of Jesus, even though Judas had been a part of Jesus' team for many, many years, his heart was never with Jesus. He never had faith. God's work had never taken hold in his heart, and because of that, he was bearing no fruit. So as Judas dipped bread in that same bowl as Jesus that night, as he stepped out into the night, the gardener comes and he cuts that branch. But unlike Judas, if Jesus' word is living in you today, if you're trusting that Jesus came to die for you and gave his life for you, you can be assured that you are clean, that you are a branch abiding in him, and that you can long for fruit in your lives. Now, there's, there's something beautiful about this. Look, fruit does matter. But at times, we may feel like we're fruitless. And in those moments, Jesus wants us to understand, make sure you don't confuse pruning with cutting off. Now, if you know anything about gardening, I had to look this up. Cutting off and pruning both involve cutting. <laughs> See, when you, it sounds counterintuitive, but when you cut a rose bush back and you prune it, after a while, more roses start growing in its place. That's how these rose bushes grow. More fruit comes through. But the key is this. The branch must remain attached to the main stem, the main vine. It has to abide. So even as we abide in Jesus as a fruitful branch, Many, if not all of us, will at some point in our lives endure major trials, circumstances that affect us physically, emotionally, mentally. Sometimes we'll be battling with deep sins that really seem to derail us. And I'm pretty sure in those moments, you'll be under a lot of pain and you'll find it really hard. But in those moments, we look to ourselves and we look back and we think, you know what, I'm really not bearing much fruit. Perhaps you're sitting there this afternoon and you're feeling that right now. This is the key. This is the beauty of it. If you're trusting in Christ and know that his word lives in you, if you know him as your Lord and Savior and you're abiding in Jesus, in those moments, God may well be pruning you, which can often hurt, but it's so that you go on to bear more fruit. But let me illustrate this with someone else that we've met in the last few weeks, with a guy called Peter. See, Peter, like Judas, had walked with Jesus, Jesus for years. He'd been a part of the same team. The difference was that Peter was trusting in Jesus. He had listened to God's living word, put his faith in him, and he was abiding in Jesus. Even now, as Jesus knew and said to Peter, you're going to deny me three times, Jesus is kneeling here, listening to Jesus, abiding in him. But just imagine how Peter would have felt. The third time he denies Jesus, he looks up. And in Luke's account, it says this. It's really cutting. 
the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Imagine how he would have felt there, the shame, the guilt. Imagine how Peter would have felt as he watched Jesus being nailed to a cross, thinking, I've, I've lost my chance to say sorry, to ask for forgiveness. Imagine for the days after that, the guilt eating away inside of him. This was a hard, painful, pruning process for Peter until one day the risen Lord comes to find him and speaks to him, calls him out. And when Jesus, by his word, restores him, he says to Peter once again, follow me. And where does this pruning end up? Peter would go on and stand before crowds in Jerusalem and proclaim the gospel. In his first public sermon ever, 3,000 people come to faith. Man, that would be awesome. Here's what's interesting. The word for clean here in verse 3 is the same word for prune in verse 2. John is showing us, some of you might have a footnote on your Bibles that helps you, but John is showing us that the means of cleaning and pruning are the same. It's the living word of God. We live by abiding in the vine through his word. We are pruned by abiding in his vine through his word. So here's a key question that we need to be asking this afternoon. Are you an abider? Are you someone who trusts in him and his word today? Do you believe that Jesus has the words of eternal life? Do you believe he's the true vine, the way, the truth, and the life? Not only that, but then are you relying on God's living word to sanctify you, to cut at your sin, to prune you? Are you listening to Jesus as he challenges you, convicts you, shapes you, and grows you? Because if you are, then you can be assured that you are abiding in Christ. That you can be thankful for the fruit that you're bearing. And that you can be aware that there will, there will be times when you may seem or feel fruitless, but you can know that God the Father will prune you every now and again because he wants you to go on and bear more fruit. Let me urge you, if you're not abiding in Christ today, if there is that fear of being cut off, can I urge you to come and meet Jesus to hear his word, come and see how he is the way, the truth, and the life. For he is the true vine that will give you life so that you can go and bear fruit. So that's the first thing we looked at. To be fruitful for God, be an abider in Jesus. Let God's word take a hold of you and prune you so that you might go and bear fruit for him. Here's the second thing. The next two will be quicker. To be fruitful, remember we are not the vine. To be fruitful, remember, we are not the vine. The fruit doesn't come from us. In verse 5, Jesus moves away from this view of the Father and the Son to a view of the Son and the disciples. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's a simple reality he's saying. We are not the vine, Jesus is. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, there is forever this temptation in our hearts to become the vine. This has been an age-old problem since the garden in Genesis chapter 3. We want to come away from God, the true vine, and be a vine on our own. It's this temptation to lean into self-dependence, self-glory, where we want to say, look, I can work hard, I can make my own fruit. Jesus says, do you realize how silly this is? Without me, you can do nothing. It's like a brand new, spanking, shiny car with no engine. Or the latest iPhone or Samsung phone, whichever side you go with, with no battery. 
It might look good and shiny on the outside, but it's lifeless. Its very essence is missing. Sometimes it's good, just good to use the illustrations that Jesus gives. Right, here, look, I've got a branch. Here's a branch. If all of us got together, do you think we could make this thing bear fruit? See, this has come off the main vine. It's lifeless. It's useless. I picked it this morning, so it's a bit greener, but it's, it's actually already started withering. See, after a few days, what's going to happen? It's going to dry up, it's going to go yellow, it's going to wither, and it's, be, it's going to be useless. All it's going to be good for is to be burned up. Jesus is the vine, the true vine. He's the vine where there is life. He's the vine that produces the fruit. And that's why we need to abide in him, remain in him, stay connected to him. If you don't remain in Jesus, then hear that warning. You become lifeless, useless, fruitless to be thrown away. Now, I've reflected on this on my own life this week. Because I've realized as a Christian, it is quite possible to say and do all the right things without remaining in Christ. To seem like you're bearing fruit, fruit but actually you're fruitless. See, as a pastor, it's easy to work hard and be practical and efficient in ministry, to think about clever strategies and read all these books on how to grow organizations, thinking that will bear more fruit for God. And I can do all of that without abiding in Christ. For Christians, for us today, it's easy to think that we are bearing fruit in the eyes of the world by doing all sorts of stuff. But actually, you may be a branch that will sooner or later wither and die. And Jesus says, no, that is not the way. The way to be fruitful is not in your own strength, with your own ideas. You bear fruit by abiding in me. Without me, you can do nothing. And this is what I love about Jesus. He specifically points to two things that abiders do to bear fruit. And they are really complex strategies and clever ideas. Two really simple things. Verse 7 if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Do you see the first thing in there? If you remain in me and my words remain in you. So here's a question. Are you letting Jesus' words, his teachings dwell in your life, in your heart? The words here refers to all of Jesus' teaching that surrounds the living word that we saw in verse 3. So are you deepening your knowledge of him step by step? Are you seeing the infinite ways that he is your Lord and Savior, the numerous ways he shows his love for you, how he shows the vast depths of his wisdom? See, as his words take root in your life, are you starting to see more and more of what God's will is for you and for the world? The second is, he goes on, ask whatever you wish. We've seen that phrase before in John's Gospel. This is Jesus alluding to prayer. Pray to me, ask me whatever you want within this context of bearing fruit and I will answer. And so here's a question for us again. How's your prayer life? Prayer is often a great way to express our dependence on Jesus, to say apart from you we can do nothing. But it's not just how often we pray, but what is the content of our prayer? Is it shaped by the words of Jesus that are dwelling in you, remaining in you? Are you finding that your prayers are being more and more shaped by God's will that seeks Jesus, that prays in longing to remain in him, to abide in him, to grow in him so that we go on to bear much fruit? 
The great thing about these two things, they're simple, and they act as both a litmus test and an encouragement for abiders in Jesus. Here's how it acts as a litmus test. Here's an example. Um, some of you might have heard of a guy called Hudson Taylor. He was a missionary out in China in the 1850s or so. He set up the China Inland Mission. One day, one of his missionaries came to him and told him, look, one of you guys has torpedoed their ministry with all sorts of failures and sin. And the first thing Hudson Taylor asked was this. When did they stop doing their quiet time? When did they stop abiding in Jesus by spending time meditating on his words and praying to him? See, it's a simple check on our lives. It's not the only check, but a really good way to see if we are abiding in Jesus. Here's how it's an encouragement. Having Jesus' words dwelling in us, praying them through, channel the very life that pulsates from the vine into the branches. It pushes us away from our self-dependence, from that desire and danger to be our own vine that will lead us to withering and dying. Instead, it says, without you, I cannot do anything. Jesus, I trust you to guide me with your words and enable me to bear fruit in answer to my prayers. It pushes us against our self-glory in a withering branch, instead towards the Father's glory in the true vine that bears fruit all over the place. So that's the second thing. To be fruitful, remember we are not the vine, but instead we abide in the vine. Here's the last thing. To be fruitful, be like Christ. To be fruitful, be like Christ. This is from verse 9 onwards. Jesus seems to unpack this image of the vine and branches all that more. And as he does that, he shows us, us that being fruitful means being Christ-like. It sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Abiding in Jesus means you will be like him. A branch of a vine will start to look like the vine, the main vine. Now, I know so far we've talked about abiding in Jesus in the context of trusting Jesus' living word, delving deeper into his word and praying. But here I think Jesus points us to that deeper question underneath. Not just about what we are doing to abide in Jesus, but about who we are. So here's the big question. Do you want to know if you're abiding in Jesus? Well, then let me ask you this. Do you know that you're someone loved by Jesus? Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Do you know that Jesus came to this earth for you? Do you know that he carried the cross for you, that he gave his life for you? Do you know that he did this because he loves you? If you personally know of this love of Jesus, then you are abiding in him today. And he says, remain in my love. And then he flips it around. See, are you someone who loves Jesus? Honestly, some days you might feel like you can say yes. Other days you might feel, I'm not so sure. But here's what Jesus says in verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Are you obedient to him? You're not obedient so you get Jesus to love you, but you're obedient because by keeping his commands, you show that you understand that you're someone who is loved by Jesus. Jesus says this in, in John 14. He's, he's pointed this out a few times along the way. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
Let me try and illustrate this. It's like a, it's like a husband who shows his love for his wife by listening to her request to take the bins out or to clean the bathroom. These may or may not be examples from personal experience. But he does this because he loves her, not to curry favor with her. He does this even after a long, hard day, well, he should, after a long, hard day at work where he may not feel like it. Because love is not just a feeling, it's a ground, it's, it's grounded reality based on a promise between husband and wife. And it's like that with Jesus, whose love is found in the promise of the cross where he laid down his life for you. Here is a promise of my love with my blood. And here is a true reality that I am your God and you are my people. I am the true vine, you are the branches. So will you obey Jesus as you remain in his love? Even on those days when you might not feel like it. See, this pattern of loving and obedience is a pattern found between Jesus and his Father which actually ends up in full joy. That's what he's saying in verses 9 to 11. Jesus shows us that as the Father has loved the Son in and through eternity, so the Son has been obedient in love to the Father, even to death on a cross. And that is to be the pattern of our love. It is to be Christ-like in the way he loves. Love shown through obedience, which lands in utter, pure joy. The same pattern of joy found between God the Father and God the Son is found between the branches and the vine. So Jesus calls us to be fruitful like he is. And the way to do that is not just to keep that in for ourselves, but to display it and share it with others. Do you see his command in verse 12? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus commands us to apply this very same pattern of love found in him and his Father to others, so that we bear fruit in a Christ-like manner. Now, just to say, I don't think fruit in the Christian life is just purely limited to this, but Jesus, I think, picks this particular command for us because it's, it's really central, it's very core to the Christian life. Abiding in Jesus means abiding in his love, and as we abide in his love, we share the same love with others. Here's the challenge. This is not a love as the world understands it. Jesus is the true vine, as I said before, of a new order, a new age, and with that comes a new order of loving one another. Reflected on two things looking at this. Firstly, it's a new order of love. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for their friends. The love that Jesus speaks of here is cross-shaped, Christ-like love. It's one that says, I deny myself for the sake of my brother or my sister. It's a love that is sacrificial, that says, you know what, I'm willing to lay down those things, my time, my resources, my energy, those things that are important in my life for the sake of, my, of loving my brother or my sister. But the second thing is this. This is a new order of one another. Jesus' definition of a, of a friend is so different to mine. See, I choose friends based on common interests. Do I get on with them? Do we have a similar sense of humor? Do we like the same sorts of foods, same sorts of movies? Do we have a similar cultural upbringing? But here's Jesus' definition of friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. That's it. 
Friends of Jesus are those who obey his commands because they love him and abide in him. Those in verse 15 who know and trust what God the Father has taught them in his word. See, the world builds friendships around common things like if you look at any friendship groups or clubs, you'll see them. They've been to the same uni, same neighborhood, same schools. They work in the same job. They love the same books, the same food. So what, you name it. But when the world looks at the church, they should look at it going, why do these people hang out with one another? Why are these people friends? Because we build friendships around a common person out of this world. Because the one another is those who are friends of Jesus, those who abide in Christ. I was hugely challenged by this. That the first thing I should see in my brothers and sisters is that are they an abider in Christ? Then they're my friend. Before their interests or their cultural background and the like. See, I mean Globe Getaway, we're coming to that this weekend. That's partly about this. As fellow abiders in Christ with all sorts of diverse backgrounds, how do we love one another as Jesus has loved us? That's a huge command for us. And you know what? Sometimes I find this near impossible to do. How can I love sacrificially like Jesus did? How can I build friendships of a new order like Christ? Well, Jesus says, remember this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Be an abider. That is what Jesus has called us to. Verse 16 is really key to this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. See, Jesus is the vine who plants the seed in our hearts to grow us as his branches. He's the one who has called us to abide in him so that he would work through us. He's with us as we abide in him so that he would go and bear his fruit, fruit that will last, literally remain, And so we are never alone as we abide in the vine. That's humbling. Because it says any fruit that you bear is because of Jesus. Because Jesus enables us to bear fruit as we abide in him. And it's comforting to know that we do not love one another through our own strength, but it's because we abide in him that we bear fruit for God's glory. Abide in me, remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. To be fruitful is to be like Christ in his love and obedience as we abide in him. Friends, my prayer this afternoon is that we would be a church, that Globe Church would be a church that abides in Christ, the true vine. That we would abide in him so that we would love one another sacrificially as Christ did. That we would abide in him so that we can bear the fruits of Christ, that we would abide in him so that we can bring glory to God and be a blessing to those around us. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would speak to us by your word that you and your power would help us to see that Jesus is the true vine. And Father, would you, by your Spirit, help us to abide in him 
For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.